This is John from Polymath Producer, and today I'm doing a classic music production analysis for the song Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And the reason why I wanted to do this one was because for the modern analysis this week, we looked at Pharrell Williams and how he uses minimalism in his arrangements. And this track it took place almost 40 years earlier has that same concept applied to it. Like it's very minimalistic, very consistent, almost like loop-like in a sense, but it's for a rock song. So we're gonna see some of the parallels there. We're also gonna see a lot of the parallels between the other tracks that we've reverse engineered so far. As always, I've got the studio right here. So I'll be playing you through the tracks and how they all work, why they work. At Polymath Producer, we really wanna understand the reason why things happened. So we try to get inside the heads of the artists, the music producers, all of that, that created these tracks. Because when we do that, we understand the fundamental reasons as to why they did things, the skill sets that go in, into it, and the building blocks, the Lego building blocks. And then from that, we can create our own sounds, our own creations using those building blocks in a way where we cross-pollinate what we found. Uh, so rather than just copying people, we actually understand the building blocks separately so that we can piece them together ourselves. And if you're an ambitious music producer who wants to learn how to do this yourself, I've put together a mental framework inside the Polymath Producer System. It's a six-week program, and it takes you through all of this, how to think like a master, read songs like a book, and um, also transform your mindset on a fundamental level. So we want to take people who are you know, either amateurs to a professional level or from professional to world-class. You can really put this system on repeat for life. So if that interests you and you want to solve basically every arranging problem that ever exists, that any producer ever has can be solved using this program. So if this interests you, go to polymathproducer.com, book a free call with me. I'll take you through all the goals that you have and I'll take you through what's involved in the program, everything like that. And that's completely free call and only really for ambitious producers though. So head to polymathproducer.com to check that out. Let's get on with the arrangement. I'm gonna start this analysis with the harmony. I haven't really looked at harmony in a lot of the other tracks, but in the Pharrell track we did this week, we saw how minimalist the harmony was and how well that works for that track. While in this track, the harmony is actually quite dense, quite rich, and it varies a lot. So I'm gonna take you through the harmony of this track. And I'm gonna actually play it, let you know what's happening in the harmony, why it works, uh, why they've selected those, those chords, you know, the lengths of the chords, everything about that, because this track is actually piano driven, which is quite rare for a rock song. Like rock songs are usually guitar driven, but this one, it's core harmonic rhythmic driver is actually piano based throughout the entire track. And usually rock songs, most of the time are guitar driven. If you look at most of the most famous rock songs, it's usually guitar, guitar plays the core harmonic rhythmic driver of the song. But in this track, the piano does. So that's what makes this track very unique. It's actually got quite of an Alton John style, like piano driven song. Now, if you don't know what Core Harmonic Rhythmic Driver is, I suggest checking out a video, I'll link it below. It's called, I analyzed hundreds of tracks and found this rhythm phenomenon. But basically it's the mid harmonic rhythmic material that flows throughout the entire track and flows with the core rhythm. I've also got a glossary of terms uh, for Polymath Producer at polymathproducer.com forward slash glossary. This piano plays quite dense chords. What I love about 
Freddie Mercury's piano playing in all of his tracks actually is that it's so unique to him. Like when he's playing, it's just so like you can just tell it's him playing it. Like he's got a very unique way of playing the piano. And in this track in particular, what he does with his piano playing is he it's I'm a piano player myself and it's very difficult to actually create a piano part for a track that accompanies the vocal but doesn't stand out too much that it overtakes the vocal. Like it's actually a very hard practice to do. Plus a piano that also outlines the core harmonic rhythmic driver. There's a lot of things to do. And he's done that really well here. So the piano stem simultaneously acts as the core harmonic rhythmic driver um, for this track. He also does melodic fills for his vocal. And he also plays melodic doubles with his vocal. So melodies that double his vocal. And it also outlines the core harmony. So the harmonic changes. Piano is really the, the driving force and the instrumental for the whole track. You'll also notice that this piano flows very well with the bass line. And whichever one was created first, I'd say that piano was actually created first. I'm pretty sure Freddie Mercury wrote this particular track, and when he writes tracks, he he does them on piano. So a lot of his a lot of the tracks that he's written in the band are piano-driven songs, like We Are the Champions, um, Bohemian Rhapsody, all those tracks. Like he Freddie Mercury in particular wrote those ones, so they're more piano-driven. It shows in this track, and the bass line actually flows with this this line. So they're the core rhythm here. So I'm going to break down the harmony of this because let's let's focus on the harmonic structure that's played by the piano. The key of the song is in F. Now, if you find the key of the song, you should be able to find the chords via formulas. So this track is in F major, and the formula for an F major scale, tone, tone, semitone, tone, 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 semitone. Now, what I mean by that is basically when you go to play a C major scale, it'll be root note, which is C, and then you go tone. So half step, two half steps is a tone. So it'd be C, and then a tone above that would be D. And then a tone above that would be E. And then, and then if you go semitone, so tone, tone, semitone, which will be F, and then tone, 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 semitone. So tone from F to G, G to A, A to B, and then semitone. B to C. So that's the formula. Once you've got your scale, so for F it's the same thing. Same formula but on an, the root note is an F. So that's the major scale. And then each chord that is built on a major scale has the same formula as well. So in, this, in the major scale, the, the root note, number one, which is the F, is a major chord. The second note in the scale is a minor chord. The third note in the, in the scale of F is an A and the chord that's built off that is, an, is a minor. And then the fourth note, B flat, is a major that's built off that. Fifth note is a C, the chord that's built off that is C major. Sixth note is a D, and the chord that's built off that is a D minor, so minor. And then the seventh note is an E, and the chord that's built off that is a diminished, E diminished chord. And those aren't usually used in most songs. There is mini key changes within tracks, which there is in this one, and I'll get into that a little bit deeper, but I'll, I'll show you why it works. So it starts in F, goes to A minor, which is the third in the scale, so it's a minor. That's why it's, it's that. Then it goes to D, D minor, which is the six. Then it goes to G minor, which is the two. Then it goes to C, which is the five. Back to the F. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So we've stayed purely in the F major scale. Then it goes to an F7, 
which means that we're about that we're about to experience a temporary key change. F7, whenever there's a seventh note included, like an F an F dominant, like seven, dominant seven, whenever whenever that happens in the track, it means that it's temporarily key changing. So sure enough, it goes from that to the B, which is the fourth of the original key, so it's a major. B flat major is the fourth of the F in F major, but by doing the F7 and going to B flat, it's now technically in B, B flat major, because F7 is the dominant seventh of B flat. So you can see these two keys are relating with each other. Then it goes down to G minor seven, which is the relative minor with B flat. Then it goes to a D7. Now the D7 is the fifth dominant of the G minor. So now we've, cha we've changed keys twice in the space of very small, small time. So it's F, F7, which changes to B flat, the key. Then it goes to G minor. Then it goes to D7, which is the dominant of the G minor. So now we're in G minor. So we've moved a bit away from the root um, scale. So now we're in G. And then to turn it back around to F, he goes to an, a C7 at the very end, which is the dominant seven of F, back to the F, back to the key root. So as you can really hear there, they've moved through multiple key changes, but in a way that's very subtle. And the, way, the reason why it works is because he starts in F and then moves from the F to the B flat, but B flat's still in F, so it still sounds very close to that key. And then it goes to G minor, which which is in the F scale as well. It's the number two, and then it goes to D seven. Now this is where it gets this is where it starts to get far away because you've got a D seven has an F sharp in it, so you're actually sharpening the original root note of the original key, which goes to D uh, to G minor, but then he works his way back to a C seven, which means that that brings it back to the F because once you include a dominant seven, it then technically the the key has changed because that means that that dominant seven is now going to move to a new root note. Now, hopeful, I hope that that all made sense. I sort of went pretty quick. You know, I'm trying to just like really get as much information as possible uh, into this video as possible. But if you want to sort of look more into that, um, I recommend really just Googling them, like Googling how to, why that works together. And um, and you'll, you'll find that out. But knowing these formulas as well really helps, like knowing the formula of a major scale. Like every single major scale is made up of a major, minor, minor, major, major, minor, diminished. That's every major scale ever possible. And then in minor, it gets a little bit more complicated because there's three types of minor scales. There's natural minor, there's harmonic minor, there's melodic minor, and each one has their own chords that build on top of them. So you can actually like alternate between different scales and it gets really complicated. Like there's it, a real rabbit hole, but I, I definitely suggest when you reverse engineer tracks, you can do this, like you can figure all this stuff out. It took me six months just by doing things like this to understand music theory like for every song possible. Um, and I actually show you how to do that in depth in the Polymath Producer system. So if, if music theory is something that you wanna learn in like six months and you wanna get a real handle on it, uh, less than six months really if you hit it hard, Polymath Producer system, I'll show you how to do it in there. It's one of the fundamentals of music production and arranging. So the chords pretty much stay pretty consistent. The only thing that I wanted to really touch on was in the chorus, the chords actually start to get quicker. So it goes. So don't stop me now, like that. And 
And if you can notice there, the chords are actually flowing with the melody and they're changing more rapidly. So rather than holding the chord, had so far but now in the in the chorus it's actually going like it's getting quicker and that's something that you can do like when it comes to chords they don't have to be the same time length for every chord you can actually make them quicker you can make them longer you can prolong chords that's actually a technique that was used a lot in older tracks like in the 60s and 70s when they want to prolong a melody prolong a vibe prolong tension they'll make the chords longer so they'll actually have it for like multiple bars just one chord and it prolongs it it prolongs the intensity because you just want it to change whereas the opposite is also true when you have quick chord changes it can actually add something to this to the track that that just having them normal do and that contrast and that variety actually really helps to progress the song so you've got like longer held harmony you've got you've got quick harmony changes it all adds to the contrast and really they've reserved these quick changes for the key moments of the song which is very smart there's one chord in this track that's like really weird it goes at the end of the chorus it goes i don't want to stop at all so you sing it all singing a, an F, you're singing an F, but it's an it's an A flat six on B flat. So how is that in relation to the F scale? An A flat in an F major scale, like the third note is supposed to be an A in a major scale. If it was an F minor, it would make sense to have an, a, an A flat chord there because it's got an A flat in it. So you could have an A flat major chord in an F minor scale, but why does it work in this major scale? Like why does an A flat take place in an F major keyed track? Well, there's a thing called a flat third, like a flat major third. So usually the third note of a major scale, the chord that's built off that is a minor. Now there is a there is an actual like scale that has a major third, so it's a major, on the, the major built on the third note of a major scale, but it's also flattened. And it's this weird phenomenon. It's, it's part of a particular scale. Like I don't really know the name of it, but just know that it works. And it works in a way where uh, if you play it at the right time, it will make sense. So. Back to the F. And it also includes the the dominant note, which is a C. That has probably has something to do with it, but it's this weird phenomenon. I don't actually know the name of the scale that does this, but just know that a third, the third of a major scale, when turned into a major flattened, can work in a scale. Okay, I'm gonna try and play along with Freddie Mercury now just for a bit of, a, a bit of fun.
too much. It's very intense, so yeah, anyway, that was a bit of fun. All right, so let's have a look at the bass line because the bass line actually flows with the core harmonic rhythmic driver, which is the piano. It only, it just sort of enters in a little bit, a bit higher range. It's basically used as a guitar, like a normal guitar, which is interesting. That's just to tease it in a little bit in the intro. And now it's flowing with the key melody of the song. Stop me now, but it's playing its own counterpoint melody. So it's like, don't stop me now, the rhythm, but in a diff, it's playing the root notes of the chords. And then it gets into the rock section. Kind of a, a quick, like rock bass. Does a few passing notes, a few like extra notes with it. Mainly plays root notes though. Playing a lot of like extra, like fancy stylistic stuff. And it really flows with the, with the vocal. Like, first of all, it flows with the piano. So these two are flowing together as one entity essentially. But it also flows with the vocal. Like, listen to it with just the piano. They're basically one entity. Like, it's formed as one. Now with the vocals... So did you see how, like, sometimes the vocal is doing its own thing, but then it, it all fuses together as one? Like, when they go... Dun, 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 like it all plays as one. Have a listen to that. Right here. And I absolutely love those those quick chord changes on the turnarounds, really help to like bring closure to the sections, and and it, f and it flows with the vocal melody so well. Like the way that the vocal melody moves, like on top of those chord changes, is just it's just perfect. The bass really works as like a core rhythm element. It flows with the core harmonic rhythmic driver. It plays stylistic things. It, all, it outlines the, the root notes of the core harmonic structure, but it also doubles certain hooks as well. Like a, it acts as a hook doubler at the same time, which is very cool. So if you can notice there, they're basically using everything as a hook, like everything as a hook technique. Like the bass is hooky in itself and it's flowing with the key hooks of the song, which is the don't star me now, like that one. It's very cool when it comes to this section here, they've got an instrumental section with a guitar solo.
Now, what I love about this guitar solo in this track is that with Queen, over time, they, they put a very unique stamp on their sound in very subtle ways. And then they repeated that unique stamp over multiple different tracks and albums. And then, and then the audience has come to know that sound as the Queen sound. And Brian May and his guitar sound, so the, the guitar amp and the, the effects he uses and all that stuff, that has become that signature sound. And that is so identified with Queen. It's like, once you hear his guitar and you hear the sound of his guitar, it's it, you just know straight away, this is a Queen song. So when that guitar solo comes in, it's like, it puts a stamp on the song. And you can see this phenomenon happen with with uh, like very unique sounds. In modern music, it's done with synths, like it can be done with any instrument, but it's like a it's like a branding. Think of it as branding. So when you've got your artist project or you're producing for an artist, think of your sound as almost like a brand. And when people hear that brand and they hear it over multiple songs, they start to recognize it. it has to be over multiple songs that it works. Brian May's guitar, it's branded, essentially. That sound is a brand. Modern examples, you can actually see it with a lot of EDM producers. Avicii, that's that sound that he had on, on Levels and uh, and that sort that sound he had on like uh, Wake Me Up, uh, like the main synth line, that sound is like very Avicii sounding. Like when you hear something from Avicii, you know exactly that it's from Avicii. He usually has a very unique um, sounding lead synth that plays the motive. And then he has these arpeggio counter melody slash counter rhythms that come later on in all these tracks. And you'll notice that he's stamped that sound. Like that's his brand. And the same thing with Kygo as well has made a very, he's always got that very unique, almost like flute sounding synth that's in a lot of his tracks. Like it's in the majority of his tracks and he's stamped that sound. Same with that Alan Walker created that synth sound in his original track that took off. And then he's used that in multiple tracks because it's, it's like his stamp, his brand. So if you ever stumble across a very unique, uh, like single sound in your arrangements, then you can actually use that to brand yourself and then emphasize that over multiple tracks. Uh, but obviously the sound has to be very like cool and, and good, just like these examples that I've stated. And it's not necessarily just about the one sound because a lot of people can fall into that trap where they try to make just the one sound that sounds awesome and they lose track of all the other parts of the arrangement. Everything has to be good in the arrangement. Everything has to sound good. Everything has to work together as a team. But if you have a featured instrument like this that you can put in your tracks as a branding tool, uh, definitely do it because it, it sep separates your sound from everyone else. So that's what I really wanted to talk about with the with the guitar because it really only comes in as a featured instrument. It comes in once in the whole track for this instrumental section then sort of plays off as the final pre-chorus begins and then you never you never hear from it again. So this whole track is mainly piano-driven, bass-driven, drums, and vocals. That's all it is. It's very minimalistic. Drums are actually quite, um, you know, quite straightforward rock drums. You've got the kick, which is very active. If you can hear that, it's quite a, it's quite a rock pattern that they're playing. Then the snare's just on the two and four. Cool rhythm change between the verse and the chorus here. So there's slight alterations between the kick patterns and the different sections. That's just so there's contrast between the sections, but it's still very active. You listen to the hi hats and all of that here. I'm a superstar, even through the sky, like a 
crashes on like every turnaround as well like it's very rock drums very hi-hat driven as well which is very rocky and just there they've got like a weird sort of um like cowbell thing or like battle thing and then it goes into a just a tambourine on every two and four, which doubles the snare in the chorus. So that's just really to double the snare. And if you notice, the kick actually flows with the melody rhythm. So don't start me now. And then you, you hear the kick, it goes doom. Ready? Like the kick is flowing with the melody. The cool thing about this song is like the core, the key hook of the song, which is the don't star me now, that's that that rhythm is flowed with, with the piano, the bass, the kick, like everything's flowing as one. So the melody, the vocal melody is part of the core rhythm, which is incredible. Like they've fused, it's so interdependent, the production with the song, it flows literally as one entity. And if you're a producer who's doing very song centric songs, that's like one of the biggest skills you can have. How do you flow the arrangement with the songs in a way where they all flow as one interdependent? It's just unbelievable. Stop me now. Don't stop me. I'm having a good time. that all together it sounds so full so ridiculously full but just from analyzing what we have it didn't really seem like there's much in it does it like what there's a piano a bass some drums and that's it and like a vocal for the whole track and look how full it sounds unbelievable like that's the trap you can fall into with modern production is like you try to make it sound so full by just adding 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 but really what could you subtract like that's the real question because they can get away with this <laughs> they've got away with this unbelievable all right let's have a look at the background vocals now the background vocals of Queen are always awesome. And it's because Queen, every single band member could sing, I'm pretty sure. So what they did was they created pack vocals with the whole with all the band members singing at the same time. And they did their harmonies with all, the whole band singing at the same time. So it made the texture of their harmonies sound very powerful and thick. And it's evident in this track. So have a listen. Stop me now. Don't stop me. Having a good time. Like, like that is unbelievable. Could you hear the amount of layering that is there? Like, not only I, I think I don't know if they've done like multiple layers of the same people, but they've they've definitely got multiple layers of every band member, and they're all doing their own thing. That harmony at the very end. I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't know if that's Freddie Mercury or, or not. Like singing that very high like scream thing. Having a good time. Having a good time. Someone's, someone's like screaming a high C, high male C or something at the very top there. 
Like it's unbelievable like the vocal ranges of all these all these guys as well. An interesting thing, an interesting parallel between this and and Pharrell Williams' stuff is that in this background vocal line, there's a lot of actual like talking and and murmuring and ha's and uhs and and all that stuff like. Don't stop me! Ooh ooh ooh! Don't stop me! Don't stop me! Hear that? Don't stop me! Don't stop me! Like they're all say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that section, that part there just happened right before the guitar solo came in. And the vocals are so laid and so like, the harmonies are so good and there's such a scream at the very top. It almost sounds like a guitar in itself is, is playing. Have a listen to that high scream at the top. Don't stop me, don't stop me. I don't know who is doing that, but it's so high that it, it it actually flows with the guitar when it comes in. Have a listen to it when the guitar comes in. Don't stop me. So what's so cool about that is that they've actually got a harmony line that is so high that it's singing the same note as the guitar when the guitar comes in so that it almost sounds like the vocal fuses into the guitar. Like it's so cool. Just gotta listen to that again. Look, yeah, gotta really, really listen to how many harmonies there are in this part. It's like they just laid a stack of things and then they've got like one going ah, and then like starts like screaming at the very top. Don't stop me, don't stop me. And the cool thing about it as well is that it's used as a transition effect, really. Like if you listen to a lot of modern day tracks, they've it's always the white noise and the and the reverse symbol like crashes and stuff like that. That's always the thing that's used as the as the transition element. But what they've done is they've actually used vocals as a transition element, which I think is very cool. Like there's other ways to do transition elements other than white noise, um, symbols, all that stuff. Like you can you can get more creative with it, with the stuff that you've got, like just like what they've done. Now for the most part, the harmonies are a collection of single lines. So it'd be like the whole group of them singing just a single line, like the start where they just sing, don't stop me now. Don't stop me now. Like it's just, they're just singing the single line. Other ones are two-part harmony, others are three-part harmony, and then there's the fourth one, which is just total chaos, which is the one we just played then. I mean, it really varies between them. Supersonic man out of you. What I love about it is that a lot of the time they've got contrary motion, they've got parallel motion, they've really decide they've really selected the notes based on the movement they wanted with it. So, for example, that line there. Supersonic man out of you. Well, let's have a listen to what's in the bass line there. Supersonic man out of you. The bass line is going dun 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 dun, just like the vocal. They're they're, they're moving as one as one entity. But the harmonies in that a lot of the, like some of them don't actually move. Like some of them stay on the same note. So it's really like how can your harmonies? How can some harmonies move and others stay the same? Or like they move contrary motion or. Like you can play around with your harmonies so that there's movement within them and it flows with your arrangement. I'm gonna try and summarize everything that we've learned from this track in like one go. So when it came to the harmonies, uh, what we really found out was that harmonic variety can work really well to create obviously more of an interesting track. Like if it's more harmonically rich, it can create more of a impactful song because the song itself is what's so powerful about this 
this track. Like the if this the song is the, the best part of this track, and then the arrangement flows with the song really well. That's the best part about the arrangement. And the harmonic structure is very obviously complex, but they've also used the rhythm of the harmony changes to their advantage. So they've got quick change chords, they've got longer held chords in terms of like their bar length, and they use that to their advantage depending on the impact that they want. So when they wanna highlight a hook, they'll do quick chord changes. When they wanna have more of an open space, they use longer chords. Like you can see how these principles are forming here. The other thing we spoke about was how the bass line, the piano are working together, but they also flow as with the vocal. So they're, they're doubling the vocal motives, um, they're counterpointing with the vocal melody. Uh, they've got multiple roles within their role. So they're, they're acting as the core rhythm and the core harmonic rhythmic driver, but they're also playing motives. They're also doing secondary hooks. They're also doing fills, like they're do, doing stylistic things. And this is what's creating the interest because those are the main driving forces other than the vocal of the song and the drums. Um, you've also got in the drums, you've got a very consistent beat, just like we did with the Pharrell song, very consistent beat. If you listen to here, they've actually, I'll play the full thing. They've actually got in the structure, they've got intro, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, pre-chorus, pre chorus, post-chorus interlude, little thing. And then after that, they've got the instrumental bridge and then they go back to a pre-chorus, chorus, outro. Now, have a listen to the, the interlude after the chorus. Strip back the arrangement. So smart. Let me just break down why that is so genius. <laughs> They've been very consistent with the piano through the whole track. The whole track has had the piano as the core harmonic rhythmic driver, and then they've cut the piano out. So they've stripped back the arrangement, they've disrupted the loop, and they've only got drums and vocals playing at that point. And they don't even have bass. So it's just the kick and the, and the, and the snare and, and the vocals and the hi-hats. When they get to the instrumental section in the next section where the guitar comes in and they've got that big build with the background vocals, it's genius because they've had a very consistent intensity throughout the whole track so far. And what's really been carrying it is the harmonic and the melodic um, development of the song itself. And then in the arrangement, they've cut all of that off. They've got this interlude, so it pulls back the energy. They've purposely pulled back the energy, almost like a vacuum. So it's been going along like this, and it goes, drops down. And then when they get to the instrumental phase, it's just a big hit of like energy. And that build with the, back, with the background vocals that we looked at before, just builds that up and rises towards it. And then it's just, this big hit. So when the featured instrument comes in, it's this big moment. That's probably why it works so well on stage because when people are listening to it, when that guitar finally comes in, they're just like, yes, like Brian May's finally coming in and it just hits them. That is what is so cool about that, that section. Other things we noticed was that the guitar came in as a featured instrument and it has a, a branding on it. It's a branded instrument essentially. So how can you develop branded instruments yourself? When it comes to the arrangement itself, it's very minimalistic. How can you be minimalistic in your arrangements and, and really use what you've got? You don't have to do over the top arrangements. And finally, with the pack vocals, can you get a back of people to, to help do your vocals with you? Because that can really thicken out the, the intensity of the vocals. But other than that, I think um, that's it. That's all I really wanted to say about this track. Uh, it was a very fun one to analyze. So I hope you enjoyed this one. 
And if you want to learn how to read songs like a book yourself and learn to think like a master of music production, I highly recommend go check out polymathproducer.com and uh, you can book a call with me and I can take you through what the Polymath Producer system actually is, how it could help you specifically for your goals. We cover that as well. It's a free call. Highly suggest you go check it out and book in and uh, I'll see you there. So thanks for watching. See you next time.